0: All right, well, listen, if you have a Bible, I wanna invite you to open up to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're we're gonna pick up reading where we left off last week. In fact, we're gonna go back a couple of verses, and I'm gonna read from verse 11, and I'm gonna extend through where we're gonna end up today, all the way through verse 17. And so, if you will, follow along or read along as I read it over you today, the word of God. This is Romans 10, verse 11 through 17. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, such a powerful verse in the Bible. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm gonna read it again. May it go into the depths of every soul. May it go in like a knife. Listen. For everyone and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I want us to pray before we begin our time today. What a wonderful text. What a transforming text. I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna pray before we even pray it. We're gonna pray that there would be no one in the room today that would walk out of this place not having called on the name of the Lord. That's, that's one prayer. The second prayer, and maybe the largest emphasis to the church is this today, Is that we would walk out of this place called to people. That they might call upon the name of the Lord. That we would walk out of this place with beautiful feet. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today as it's proclaimed. And Lord, you have the power to do so many things as your gospel is preached. You have the power to resurrect dead hearts. You have the power to take a marriage that is broken and begin to heal it. You have the passage, uh, I mean, the power to take a passage from your scripture. And as we hear it proclaimed, to take a life that's filled with anxiety and fill it with hope and rest. You have the power to do all things. And we pray, Lord, for you to work in the power of your spirit in the name, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ today in our midst, we ask, amen, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat, man. If you're coming, some of you coming in, you ain't bothering me, come on down. All right, what I want us to do is is begin right there, verse 13, where we ended the loud proclamation that everyone who believes in him uh, we, we heard will not be put to shame. And then verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I need you to see something that's important. We said it last week. We wanna say it again this week so you catch the emphasis. Verse 17 of chapter 10, Paul is going back through what he has just said. And when he reemphasizes uh, what we're about to look at, he says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing Through what? The word of Christ. Last week we talked about uh, that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is alive. We confess and we believe specific things about Jesus leading us to this conclusion that when Paul says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he's saying everyone who calls on Jesus Christ will be saved. Everyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved. Verse 14, he's gonna walk us through some prerequisites or, or, or he's gonna walk us through some factors that must take place for someone to be in a place to call. And so that's where we pick up today. And so if you wanna open up your worship guide, the first four points there, just the, it's just the text that's there in Romans 10. It's four questions in a row. I want us to look at them for for a few moments. After Paul makes his statement that anyone who calls on Jesus, on the name of Jesus will be saved, he enters into this time there in verse 14 where he says, but how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can somebody call on Jesus if they haven't believed in Jesus? Well, that's a great question. And so it leads us to evaluate this process that anyone who believes goes through to call on the name of the Lord. How can somebody call on him if they haven't believed? I wanna ask you if you would to take your Bible and if you don't mind writing in it, I want you to circle a word, okay? And the word is there in verse 14. How then will they, I want you to circle the they there. Circle it. Today, as we walk through how someone might call on Jesus, I want you to consider the they in your life. Just just work with me. This is a total Colby message here, okay? It's like, some of you are like, what is he talking about? Just, Just roll with it. I want you to consider the they that exist in your life. See they in this text refers to people who have not called on the name of the Lord. These are these are people who don't have saving faith in Jesus. That means the they might be somebody next to you. It might be somebody in your home. It might be someone in your school, in the gym that you go to, in your workplace. It might be the they, it might be someone you've never met in a people group that you've never heard of. They is a very broad term. I want, it to, I want you to make it more specific today. Consider the they in your life. Paul is gonna walk through this text and he says, how will they, they refers to people who were made in the image of God, people who God created to walk with Him, who at this time don't. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? When I think of the word call, I, I think uh, about at least a small picture of that as what takes place almost every night at my house. You know, when you've got four children. In your home, somebody's calling for you all the time, okay? And usually it's sometime between, you know, maybe 3 a.m. and about 6 a.m. And typically it's Annie Ruth. I'll be sound asleep and all of a sudden I hear, Dada! Dada! I hope she keeps saying that until she's at least 13, Okay. And I'll have to get up and I'll run in there and I get her. Uh, now Hazel's starting to do it a little bit too, but they, they call for me, daddy, daddy, daddy. And i run in their room and get them. Annie Ruth started doing a little bit more than that and getting up out of her bed, but walking to the bedside and shaking me and say, daddy, daddy. But she's calling, calling for me. And they, my kids are aware that if I hear their voice, I'm coming. That's daddy who is majorly flawed and majorly human. Our father in heaven loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who call on him. There is no one who calls that the Lord doesn't answer. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of Jesus will be saved. Paul says, but how will they call on him if they haven't believed? Look at the second question. It helps make sense of the have not believed. Look at the second question. He says, but how can they believe if what? If they haven't heard. So to be able to call upon the Lord, we have to be able to believe in the Lord. For us to believe in the Lord, we have to have heard of the Lord and specifically Jesus. We can't call on Jesus unless we believe in Jesus. We can't believe in Jesus unless we've heard of Jesus. I wanna talk to you about this from a local standpoint and then I wanna extend it globally. Think about this from a local standpoint for just a minute. This is in our city, in your school, in your workplace, in your home, anywhere that you go where people are, I want you to consider this question. What have the people who I am around, what have they heard about God? What have they heard about Christian faith? What have they heard about church? What have they heard about eternity? And specifically and most importantly, what have they heard about Jesus. Because we live in a, in a city where clearly there is access to the gospel. Like we're proof of that. Like there's access to hearing about Jesus, but the people in your life, I don't necessarily know what they know about him. I have a friend, I, I certainly will not give his name, at this moment but someone who I've grown fairly close to over the past couple of years who is not a follower of Jesus but he has this very random statement that he makes all the time and it's any time that he's referring to someone and typically this could be political or th- this is something worldwide something that he sees as more immoral or more offensive than what he might bring to the table, he says this, those people need Jesus. Those people need Jesus. They need Jesus. And he says this phrase often. I heard him say it several times last week and the week before. It's a phrase that he says very flippantly. Those people need Jesus. Jesus, what's interesting about that phrase is it is absolutely correct. People do need Jesus, all people need Jesus. That's an accurate statement. But what helps me understand that he doesn't know what he means when he says it is he doesn't believe that he needs Jesus from his mouth. Now, how can that be? It's because the Jesus that he's talking about isn't the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that he's talking about is just a Jesus who likes to take people that are more immoral than the next person and help them be better at life. And that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And just so you know, the gospel that we proclaim isn't that you can, as a bad person, be made good though that in a very real sense takes place in the righteousness of Jesus being given to you. Our declaration is this, is that a people who are dead can live. And one who lived perfectly gives his life freely to those who believe and call upon him. I believe that you can be in an environment, you can be in a city where the gospel is being proclaimed and yet still not have really heard about Jesus, about his work, his finished work, and his atonement for sin. So consider the people, uh, maybe even in your house. What do they know about Jesus? What have they heard? A lot of people have just heard that Jesus is an example, that Jesus is the name that hypocritical people lift up. (laughs) A lot of people around you have not heard clearly the message of Jesus. So if people haven't heard, how can they believe? And if they haven't believed, how can they call on him? So when we consider our city and more particularly when we consider Alberta or the campus of Alabama, we need to think, what have people actually heard about Jesus? Let's move from local to global. I was actually shocked by these stats and I won't spend a whole lot of time, but I do want you to hear them. The best statistics that that I could find that are recent from the Joshua Project is, is where I pulled these and confirmed it with another source. But there are approximately 7.4 billion people who live in this world today. 7.4 billion people. And out of those 7.4 billion people, there are 3.1 or an estimated 3.1 billion people who are considered unreached with the gospel of Jesus. 3.1 billion people and what that means by considered unreached is there is estimated less than 2% of an evangelical presence. And in many of these circumstances, not a Bible written in their heart language. So you can say with an unreached people that there is little to no access to hear about Jesus. So you might believe on Jesus, that you may call on Jesus and be saved. I don't know what else to do, but place that before you and ask the spirit to work. 3.1 billion people with little to no access of the saving name of Jesus Christ. Once again, how can someone believe if they haven't heard? And how can someone call on the name of Jesus unless they believed? He then says, look at the, the next part there. He says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And I, I, I do need to give you a little bit of pastoral help here. The, the word preaching there certainly can involve what I'm doing today. It could involve and does involve uh, teaching and uh, proclaiming from a pulpit or a sermon. Or it, it can certainly be that. But the word is much more than, than the preaching from uh, this avenue here. It, it's preaching. It, it's a word that means to herald, to announce, to tell somebody. Tell someone. Paul says, how can somebody hear unless somebody tells them? Next week, you're gonna get the privilege of having one of my, uh, one of my friends and someone that I respect very deeply proclaiming God's word from here next week, Troy Nicholson. Troy, Troy's the pastor of Safe Haven Church here in, uh, in, in Tuscaloosa, or one of the pastors at Safe Haven Church. And he he will be here proclaiming. He'll take from verse 16 and and go on through the end of chapter 10 next week. But one of the things that I I love that I've heard uh, Troy say, and then I just even this morning read something that he wrote, Troy doesn't call himself a preacher, even though he certainly is a preacher. And you'll find out he's a really good one next week. But he calls himself a teaching pastor. And the reason why he says that is this, is he wants you to see that you're a preaching, a preacher businessman. You're a preacher, second grade teacher. You're a preacher worker on the line at Goodrich. You're a a preacher who works at the hospital as a nurse. You're a preacher who does whatever you do. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a preacher stay-at-home mom. If you're whatever you do, And wherever you go, you're a preacher. You have the capacity and the calling to tell somebody. Paul says, how can they hear without somebody telling them? Now, I believe very strongly this does not mean that you go to work every day with a three-point sermon. You have a Psalm at the end and a poem. I don't think it it means that. I don't think you have to alliterate. I don't think you have to do any of those things that I'm about to do in just a minute. You don't have to do any of those things, but but it doesn't mean that you do something less than proclaim a message. And I just wanna be a pastor that leads a church in this way that says, listen, I want you to live the most gospel-centered life you can. I want you to show love like nobody shows love. I want you to be the most welcoming people on your block. I want you to be all of that. But no one on the planet will come to faith in Jesus and call on him without hearing a specific message. No one. They will hear and they will believe and they will call because of a specific message of God's grace in Jesus Christ and him dying in our place and raising victoriously from the dead. No one will go to heaven because you were kind to him. But may you be the kindest person in your office place and the kindest person in your class. May you show kindness and mercy and grace and every attribute you can of God to the world, but they will never believe unless they hear the message of the gospel. That's the truth. So how can somebody hear unless somebody tells them? How can somebody believe unless they, unless they hear how can someone call unless they believe? There's one more. Paul says, how can someone preach or how can someone tell them unless someone sends them? How are they to preach unless they are sent? I believe this has two very real meanings here in this text. and I'm gonna give you both of them. The first is this, is in the big picture of Romans 10, we're still talking about Israel and their unbelief. And one of the primary things that Paul is proclaiming here is communicating is, "God sent them messengers." And namely, Isaiah is, is the one that's quoted over and over again, "But God sent a preacher. The preacher opened his mouth and communicated. In fact, what we need to see is the fact that God sent communicators and proclaimers and messengers is that we have this book. It's near to us. It's before us. And right connected to that, when we read about how will, how are they to preach unless they are sent, we need to hear the call That every Christian on the planet are sent by the Lord as a messenger with the Word, and specifically the Word of Christ. That's what we have to send. I mean, that's what we have to proclaim as we're sent. If you wonder, Am I sent? Let me commission you from the Lord today. You are sent. Every Christian in the room, you are sent. To do what? To tell somebody about Jesus, the saving name of Jesus. You're to tell them that they might hear, that they might believe, that they might call and they might be saved. So the chain of logic here in Paul's mind is this. The only way to be saved is to call on Christ's name. The only way to call on Christ's name is to believe the gospel. The only way to believe the gospel is to hear the gospel. And the only way to hear the gospel is to be told the gospel. Look at your outline there. In light of what we've heard, in light of this text, let's do three things. And yes, they all start with the letter R. Okay, We want to remember. We want to respond. We want to rejoice. Number one, let's remember. Here it is, the Colby phrase of the day. you got to be ready for it because you'll get confused. You ready? We must remember that the they used to be a you. Okay. This is for anyone in Christ in the room. Remember that the they used to be a you. Consider, how did I come to believe the gospel and call upon the name of Jesus? How did I hear the gospel? Who told me the gospel and who sent them to me? I want you to think about that for a minute. Who, how, did, how did I come? Like I, I think back on my life and, and some of you, I try to explain my salvation and it's so much more difficult. Like Keith was like, I was in room. What room were you in? 301. Room 301. Keith was in room 301. I don't even know what year for sure I was saved. Okay, so that, that's what gets confusing. But let me tell you what I do know. Let me tell you what I do know. Is the massive... Amount of people who walked with me, who proclaimed to me, who talked to me, who uh, sat with me and listened to me ask question after question, after question, after question, people who watched me make stupid mistakes and then care for me and minister to me through those, people who were probably annoyed with me but still met with me the people that helped me to hear the gospel so that I would believe the gospel, so that I called upon Jesus. And whether it was in 2001 or 2003, all I'm telling you is I believe and I call on Jesus regularly today. And I believe that he is my Lord and he is my savior. And I have no hope in the world except in him. That's it. That's it. And I will proclaim it till I die. Some of you have a room number and some of you don't. But all of you have called if you're in Christ. I I can I can think of it. Calling is is something I know I did it. I did it. It was a one time thing I called, but calling is also something that is the worship of a Christian. Like in many ways to call is to worship. Read the Bible, like from Genesis to Revelation, Abraham, when he called upon the Lord, he was worshiping the Lord. When people called upon the Lord in the Psalms, they're praying or worshiping or singing. We, we call upon the Lord daily as Christians. And if not, we're out of step with him. So here today, listen, you, you used to be a they. Don't forget that. And there was work that took place. For you to call, I want to give you just an assignment. I want you to think about people that were involved and you call in on the name of the Lord. Look them up, find them, Facebook them, text them. I don't care what you do, but thank somebody this week. Thank them for doing the most precious thing they could do, bringing their beautiful feet into your life and proclaim in truth to you the truth of Jesus Christ and his good news. So in light of what we've heard, let us remember, remember that the they used to be a you. I was give you one more Troy Nicholson quote here, and he's gonna listen to the message and be shocked I quoted him twice, but I read, I read through, he recently preached through uh, this text And he was talking about just the the precious gift that a person is that comes into your life and proclaims the truth of Jesus to you. And he said, point, if you're a Christian, you were designed to be a precious gift to someone else. You were designed to be a precious gift to someone else. Someone, and probably many people, if you're like me, have been precious gifts in your life. Thank them today. Thank them this week. So remember, number two, respond. Respond. We wanna think of this in, in two ways. One, respond in this way. You can tell someone. So like as Troy said, you can be a precious gift to somebody else. Paul says in quotes from Isaiah 52, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Here's the the whole verse there from Isaiah. It's in verse seven of uh, chapter 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those or him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You can be beautiful feet to someone else. And the, the word beautiful is a little bit hard to translate, but I, I think we can communicate it like what you think of as beautiful. I, I think also a word that might go very closely to it is this timely. The timely feet. There, there's an urgency here. Uh, beautiful isn't, you know, it's not beautiful looking feet. Okay. In fact, if we took it in the greatest context, it'd probably be, uh, you know, bruised and bloody and scarred and calloused feet. These are, this doesn't mean they're pretty feet. This is beautiful feet in the sense of the beautiful message they bring. You who sit here today and me that stands before you, we can tell someone We can tell someone, I want to commission you today, listen, be, be beautiful feet in your home. Mamas and daddies, be beautiful feet to your kids. That your kids might walk out the door with beautiful feet to make a fat difference in the world for Christ. Kids in the room, walk into your house with beautiful feet that your unbelieving parents might walk back out of their home with beautiful feet to make a difference at their workplace and a difference in their family and in their lives. Businessmen, businesswomen, people who are owners, people who are managers. Listen, do your job with beautiful feet. Be intentional. Speak the gospel when The timing is right and the timing is open. Be a person who communicates the truth of Jesus to the world around you where you are. Have beautiful feet at your workplace. As you go to school, we're about to have a, it won't be but another month in this whole little middle section here and hopefully other sections. Be filled with college students. College students that are here to study. But I want you to know that there's probably not a place at least in our culture, not a place in our city that needs to be more impacted by the gospel and the name of Jesus than the campus of Alabama where there's 40,000 college students who come here to study, who God might have other reasons why they come here to study. And that might mean to take their studies and to go make a huge difference in the world in whatever they do for the name of Jesus Christ. We can tell someone you don't need to be a preacher to tell somebody. You don't need to be one that's about to go to seminary to tell somebody. You don't need to be, although we do got one that's about to go to seminary. We're gonna lift, him, lift that up in just a little bit. But you don't have to be a person who wants to be a minister to tell somebody. You need to have breath and the ability to communicate in any way possible and you communicate to someone the gospel of Jesus. You can tell someone. Secondly, you can send someone. You can send someone. You may have wondered today why do we have the offering at the end? Okay? And we're we're pretty, you know, we, we keep it pretty structured around here. And so like any change, you're like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Okay. The reason why is because I'm what, what I'm about to say. Okay? I want you to consider right now the impact that your giving has on sending. Before I say that, I wanna make a very clear statement. Anytime that we talk about giving or we talk about generosity, uh, we talk about uh, giving as, as an act of worship, I want you to know that is the primary concern that I ever have as a pastor communicating to you and that is your heart. That when you give, you give because God gave his son to you. When you give, it's because you've been impacted by the glorious gospel and generosity is just an outflow of that. When Paul was talking to the church in Corinth, he said, you guys excel in so many things. You you excel and oh wow, so does Alberta Baptist. Man, we excel in some things. I think this is the most welcoming environment on University Boulevard. I think you are some of the kindest people on earth. I think that we have a heart for uh, our neighborhood, a heart for people. I think you have a heart for one another. There's all kinds of things, but may we be reminded today, as Paul reminded the church in Corinth, may we excel also in the grace of giving. May we excel in the grace of being generous. And so anytime I mention money, I want you to know the, the first thing that we're mentioning, the reason why we bring it up is because of the hearts of God's people, that it's good for your heart to give. It's part of what you're called to do. It's part of what God leads you to do. It's part of being obedient to the Lord. But there's another part of it is this. I I want you to understand when you give to the Lord, at least part of what happens. Not just in your own personal life, but what happens when you give. We're gonna have these wooden offering plates are gonna go around in a minute. And when they go around, you're gonna put money in there and and some of you have planned that out and uh, some of you are gonna be reaching in your pockets in just a minute. I want you to understand that when you give, you give first and foremost to the Lord and then you're giving to his work, what the Lord does with with that money. And some people, I believe, have this, this idea that when you give to money that goes in the offering plate, yes, you would say, yes, I give to the Lord, but that's just giving to the power bill. And I want you to know that at Alberta Baptist Church, this year, our budget is extended. About 20% of it goes to mission and work outside of us. 20%. An average of evangelical churches is less than 4%. Church, you give. When you give to this, you give to the work of people hearing the gospel, believing the gospel and calling on the name of Jesus outside of what we'll probably ever in a lot of ways even hear about or know about. You help send people. When you give, God uses that to help do things, not just in Tuscaloosa, but worldwide. That's just the section that's called missions. We've got a children's ministry, a youth ministry, a college ministry, a music ministry, a senior adult ministry. We've got outreaches, we've got projects, we've got things that are happening that I declare all of it to be missions. Yes, the power bill is a part of it, but when you give to the Lord and you give on on Sundays here, you give to the work of the Great Commission in Tuscaloosa and worldwide and you support people. My, my kids are back with Cindy right now. And one of my children has already been in a position to hear, believe, and call, hallelujah. When you give, you give to the work of sending people and making a difference in this world that people might hear and believe and call. When that offering plate goes around, I want you to hear it. And, and right now, just know. I don't like to be negative, but the last, the last three months, giving has been significantly low. And we wanna be a church who's able to do and say yes to every single thing that God calls us to. So church, search your heart be generous for the cause of people believing and calling upon the name of Jesus. So we remember, we respond. And lastly, and in just a minute, our musicians are gonna come. Listen, we rejoice. We rejoice. We wanna celebrate at Alberta Baptist the beautiful feat that's here. And I know no more beautiful feet than the people that I have the privilege of pastoring. You are generous, you are kind, you are bold, you make a difference. There are people in this room who have influenced other people in this room to call. There are people in this room that have made a difference, not just here, but all over the world, many of your kids are making a difference where they are. Many of uh, the people that you have impacted in your life are now impacting others for the sake of Christ. There is beautiful feet here at Alberta Baptist Church. We're sending a team out to go take their little beautiful feet to Haiti tomorrow morning. I'm going to take my beautiful feet uh, to the van at four o'clock in the morning to drive them to the airport that's beautiful feet, for real. Uh, Zach and Allison Pratt are about to, this is their last Sunday here, which breaks my heart. But they are, they are leaving this place for ascending. They're leaving this place to go uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, to, to seminary where they can be the most readily equipped to spread the gospel, not just wherever they are, but worldwide. And we wanna send them with glad hearts They have beautiful feet. Change the city, change the world by helping people to know God, find community and live on mission through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you what you are still to do through your people here.